Thursday, November the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Fed's bond buying wound down and COP's cold pledge lacks oomph. First, the world in brief. The Federal Reserve said it will start winding down its bond buying program introduced as part of its emergency stimulus during the pandemic later this month. In November and December, the central bank will reduce its purchases of government bonds by $10 billion from $80 billion and of mortgage-backed securities by $5 billion from $40 billion. Tapering will probably continue as, quote, appropriate thereafter. More than 40 countries agreed to phase out the use of coal by either 2030 or 2040, although the biggest users of the dirtiest fossil fuel were not on the list. The absence of America, Australia, China and India from the deal renders one of COP26's stated aims, quote, consigning coal to history, about as far away as it was before the summit. New Jersey's Democratic governor, Phil Murphy, was re-elected, Although, by a worryingly thin margin, Joe Biden had won the state by 16 percentage points. It followed Democrats' poor showing in Virginia's governor race, where Glenn Youngkin, a Republican, prevailed. Mr Biden said that Congress should have passed his legislative agenda before Election Day, although admitted that might not have changed things. America's Commerce Department blacklisted NSO Group, an Israeli spyware firm, for selling its phone hacking software to governments that used it to, quote, maliciously target journalists and activists, among others. The designation restricts American firms from exporting technology to NSO Group without a license. Three other foreign companies were prescribed, part of the department's effort to stem, quote, digital tools used for repression. Russia's navy will get hypersonic cruise missiles by 2022, President Vladimir Putin said. Tests of the superfast weapon, which travels at more than five times the speed of sound, are nearing completion. In 2019, Mr Putin described the technology as, quote, invincible. The Pentagon, meanwhile, said that China is increasing its nuclear arsenal at a much faster rate than it had forecast, possibly quintupling its 200 or so warheads by 2030. Peng Shui, a Chinese tennis champion, accused a former Communist Party leader of sexual assault. Miss Peng's post about Chang Li, a former vice premier, was removed within minutes of being published on Weibo, a social media platform, on Tuesday night. Authorities have charged government officials with sexual misconduct before, but never have allegations been levelled against such a senior leader. Damon Galgut, a South African novelist, won the Booker Prize for his book The Promise. Set outside Pretoria, it follows a white family grappling with the end of apartheid. The judges called it, quote, a strong, unambiguous commentary on South Africa. Mr Galgut will be pleased and relieved. He said the stress of having been nominated twice before, quote, shaved a few years off my life. And figure of the day, 85%, the percentage of Gabon that is covered in steaming jungle. Once Africa's fifth largest oil exporter, 
Gabon now hopes to encourage rich countries to pay African ones to protect their forests. And now, here's today's agenda. Out in the cold. Macron and Anglophones. Between fish and submarines, France's diplomacy with the Anglophone world is out at sea. On Thursday, the French government will try to fix a row with Britain over post-Brexit fishing rights. David Frost, Britain's negotiator, will go to Paris to meet Clément Boon, France's Europe minister. French ties with Australia, meanwhile, remain frigid. Mr Macron has accused Scott Morrison, the country's prime minister, of lying over the AUKUS submarine deal. The French ambassador to Australia said an Australian leak of a private text message from the French president, Emmanuel Macron, represented a, quote, unprecedented new low. With America, French diplomacy has thawed. Mr Macron shared warm words with President Joe Biden in Rome on November 29th. Mr Biden admitted America had been, quote, clumsy in arranging the AUKUS pact. As the rest of the Anglosphere becomes a lonely, if not hostile, place, France appreciates American efforts to regain its trust. MOT Uber's results Uber has had quite the trip this pandemic. As ride-sharing stalled during lockdowns, orders with Uber Eats, its food delivery service, revved up. Now, with many COVID-19 restrictions lifted, demand for rides has returned, causing a new headache. Drivers are in short supply, leading to longer wait times and higher prices. Thursday's earnings call will reveal how much of a drag this has been. Lyft's results, released on Tuesday, offer Uber investors some reason for hope. The company's main competitor in America boasted quarter-over-quarter revenue growth of 13%. It's said that drivers are returning, which has helped it meet demand. But there are potholes in the road ahead. New Yorkers, for example, are increasingly hailing taxis, which use meter prices rather than surge charging. And labour disputes continue to threaten companies dependent on gig workers. Investors will want to see whether Uber's tank is full or whether it's running on fumes. Maintaining Credit The Bank of England Thursday's meeting of the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will be more interesting than most. Concerns about rising inflation mean they might start cranking up interest rates ahead of other big, rich world central banks. Annual consumer price inflation could surpass 5% next year, as it already has in America. But there, investors expect the Federal Reserve to wait until next year to raise its main interest rate. If the Bank of England's committee does raise rates, it is unlikely to do so unanimously. Doves such as Silvana Tenreiro have fretted publicly that countering supply chain disruptions with monetary policy will add to disorder, with the effect of raised rates kicking in just as inflation starts to curb. But on October 17th, Andrew Bailey, the bank's governor, 
emphasize the need to act if medium-term inflation expectations drift too high. If it lifts interest rates before other central banks, it will be because its credibility is on the line. Rebels on a roll Ethiopia A battle for Addis Ababa, Ethiopia's capital and seat of the African Union, grows more probable by the day. On Tuesday, Abiy Ahmed, the Prime Minister, declared a nationwide state of emergency after rebels from Tigray, a northern region at war with the central government, captured two strategic towns on their march to the capital. The emergency decree gives the government sweeping powers of arrest, among other draconian provisions. Throughout Addis Ababa, ordinary Tigrayans are being rounded up. Tigrayan officials are calling on residents to organise themselves into self-defence groups. America has threatened to impose sanctions on officials if the government does not enter negotiations. On Tuesday, it suspended duty-free access for Ethiopian goods. Undeterred, the following day, Abiy promised that Ethiopians would swiftly, quote, bury this enemy with our blood and bones and make the glory of Ethiopia high again. It is a promise he has been making since the war began, exactly one year ago on Thursday. Been waiting for you. ABBA returns. The Swedish pop group disbanded almost 40 years ago, but the music still goes on. A Greatest Hits album released in 1992 cracked the Billboard Top 40 in September. More than 65 million people have seen Mamma Mia, a stage show of 1999. The film adaptation, released in 2008, and its sequel from 2018, grossed over $1 billion at the box office between them. For decades, fans had a dream of a reunion, only to be disillusioned. In 2000, ABBA refused $1 billion to perform 100 shows. In 2014, Bjorn Olveus hinted fans might want to move on. But ABBA couldn't escape if they wanted to. On Friday, they released a new album, Voyage. A custom-built arena in London will host concerts, but the singers aren't performing. Instead, they used motion capture technology to create digital, quote, avatars. Naysayers will argue it's all motivated by money, money, money. The fans will just be thankful for the music. Finally, here's the quote of the day from G.E. Moore who was born on this day in 1873. A great artist is always before his time or behind it. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.